Welcome to the Hack My Solar Podcast, providing off-grid solutions to an on-grid world. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Hack My Solar Podcast. This is Sean Mills, and today we're going to talk about non-photovoltaic solar. We've spent a lot of time on the podcast so far talking about solar panels and solar arrays and how they work and how to store the electricity and convert it into AC for use in your house. We've spent a little bit of time talking about how to conserve energy. So today what we're going to talk about is solar thermal. It's one of the more efficient ways of using the power of the sun. One of the things we got to remember is that the sun is free or sunlight's free. It's abundant and reliable. There's no such thing as peak sun. You've heard me say that before. Um, The amount of sunlight striking the planet is referred to as solar irradiance or insulation. Now there is a big difference between what hits the upper upper atmosphere and what makes it down to earth. Uh, But in the United States, if you're below about 40 degrees north latitude, you have a really, really good area in terms of your annual insulation um, to take advantage of solar thermal uh, uh, well solar thermal or solar photovoltaic but solar thermal below that line you've got a really good shot because you got the combination of a lot of sun and not a whole lot of cold to deal with so if you look at the average US energy consumption at the household level Uh, you find that 40% of that consumption is utilized for space heating, furnace fans, and water heating. Um, You know, people ask us all the time, oh man, how do you live off-grid? Well, honestly, the the vast majority of the electricity that we use is for entertainment purposes. We use the sun, uh, and and to a a lesser extent, uh, not gas, but propane, for heating water, uh, heating you know our surroundings we do that primarily with wood which is just another type of stored uh, solar energy and so you know with with that and and the little bit of electricity that we use to move water we can live a you know a life that's at least similar to most people that live on the grid in terms of access to you know things uh, we just we just access those things at different times um, but, you know, like I said, 40% of that residential energy consumption is with those three things. Lighting is another big one, which it's not directly solar thermal, but, you know, solar uh, light uh, can, can help out with those type of things through skylights. Uh, so let's talk about heated air. You know, how do you heat air? Well, one of the things that you want is something that's black. You know, you want something to absorb the radiant energy. Uh, but, but you don't want something that's very reflective. And, and the reason for that is, is because you don't want to reflect away a lot of the, um, the heat once, you know, if you reflect it before it gets absorbed, and reflection typically has, happens faster than absorption, then, you know, you're, you're not doing a great job there. So there's several different types of heated air uh, solar thermal collectors. One of them is a, called a can collector. And what happens with a can collector is you've got a vent in the bottom, and then you've got a bunch of soda cans that the tops and bottoms have been cut out and they've been glued together. And so the air actually goes through those cans, which are painted black, um, in the collection area. And then in front of the collection area, you have glazing. And that might be polycarbonate, it might be glass, 
Uh, in some cases, it might just be a clear sheet of plastic. But the clear sheet, whatever that glazing is, allows the, the sunlight through, but it doesn't allow the heat to immediately es escape. And so what happens is those cans heat up, and as they heat up, they heat up the air that's traveling through them, and then through the thermal siphon effect, or possibly through some sort of mechanical air movement, uh, the hot air comes out of the top of the unit. Uh, you know, in some cases, way hotter than when it went in. A downspout collector is basically the same idea. It just uses um, aluminum downspouts instead of cans. A backpass collector is another type, and that's what most of your commercial uh, solar thermal air collectors are made from. Uh, and basically what you have there is a, um, a flat uh, or corrugated plate, and the actual air uh, flows behind that plate. So similar to how the sunlight hits the cans and heats it up and the cans heat the air up, a backpass collector is the same thing except it's a flat plate. And sometimes there may be baffles to make the air move from side to side to gain more of that uh, thermal energy as it moves uh, from you know lower to higher air. Now a screen collector is my perfect or is my personal uh, favorite. It's a bit of a hybrid between a solar absorber and a backpass collector, and that the air moves behind and through the screen. Uh, in terms of cost to build and output, it's it's the best system that there is. Uh, there have been uh, pretty regular tests and pretty intensive tests that have shown that these screen collectors with three layers of screen can throw out 4,200 BTUs an hour. Um, now a BTU uh, is a British thermal unit, and that's typically what you're gonna see, you know, the, the amount of energy in propane or gasoline, or a lot of times your, um, uh, your air conditioning or central uh, heat and air units will be rated in BTUs. So, um, again, 4,200 4, BTU per hour. To put that in perspective, a 1250 watt electric heater and a Mr. Heater small, uh, you know, the small propane or use the one pound propane tanks for, those are both about 4,000 BTUs per hour. Uh, a 4,000 BTUs is approximately equivalent to 1.1 kilowatt hours. And so um, those systems can easily be used to heat unconditioned spaces like greenhouses, garages, or enclosed porches, which is what we're going to have this year, uh, or to even supplement indoor space heating and water heating. Uh, there's a guy, I believe he is in Maine, and his, some of his tests have been on the Build It Solar website, and he's got a system that um, it goes out, it runs across the front side of his house through some... Um, uh, downspouts and then into a PVC piping system and he uses that system to heat both air and water with it. It's pretty neat. So if you're going to build your own, there's a couple keys that you want to follow. Um, more air movement at lower temps is a lot more efficient. So an empty box collector, so that's just a square box painted black on the inside with glazing on the front will still raise air temperature about 40 degrees at 2.5 cubic feet per minute. If you add three layers of screen, which again, that's my favorite type, that output increases by 67%. Now, that's not saying that the temperature is going to go up by 67%, 
but it's saying that we can move 67% more air and still get that 40 degree increase. Um, so some of the keys, you gotta make it airtight. If you're building one of these on your own, my suggestion to you is to drop the glazing below the upper lip of the outside material. This makes it making makes making it airtight much easier. The first um, solar water heater that I built, I actually put the glazing on top and I used corrugated glazing and it was an absolute disaster trying to get that airtight. And as a matter of fact, I'm not sure I ever got it airtight. But my, uh, my mistakes can be some that you don't have to repeat. Avoid glazing disasters. Um, you know, again, you want to make sure you're, you're, you're using the right type of glazing, something that's going to be UV stable. Uh, you don't want to put a super heavy piece of double pane glass on there if you, if you don't have to, because uh, that's going to make it easier to move around and reposition and to take and maybe put up uh, during the summer months. Move the air with a small fan. Uh, this could be, I mentioned this before, a computer fan wired to, to a computer power source or a solar panel. Um, a USB rechargeable fan, which is what we're going to have on ours. It's, just, it's a fan that can pop in to the system. We can take it out at night, recharge it with a USB, put it back in there the next morning once it heats up. And then in the summer, we can use that exact same fan to cool us off uh, when it's hot outside. So dual purpose. Um, a battery-powered fan using rechargeable batteries would be another great idea. Um, the other thing is use scrap or donated materials. Um, I'm a big fan of external rated screws and treated lumber. Five-quarter deck boards are my favorite. Um, but, but most of the stuff that you need to build this, the, these systems can be free for the asking. You know, polyiso panels... Um, to put on the back side to provide that insulation on the back is probably the one exception to that. But, you know, for the price of a poly ISO panel, um, which is just a type of insulation panel, uh, you can have a really nice uh, solar uh, collector that can throw out 4,000 BTUs per hour. And it's not going to do that 24-7, but, you know, four or five hours of a day, that's, you know, you're talking about four, the equivalent of four or five or six kilowatt hours. So that's a, that's a big gain for you know, a hundred or less dollars if you can build it by um, donating materials or probably less than 200 or 225 even if you're buying all new materials for it. <clears throat> so let's move on to solar water. Um, batch water heaters are, are really, are, I mean, they're just fantastic. There's no other way to say it. A batch water heater is a, is a heater that is in a box just like, uh, you know, the, your solar thermal but you're, you just keep a bunch of water in a tank. And typically you use like a, an old um, tank water heater that's gone out, the flame's gone out. You can still take that tank out and reuse it, paint it black. Uh, you always want to use flat black paint for any of these applications. The gloss paint is bad because it's going to reflect uh, more than you want. But a batch water heater is just that you got a batch of water and you're heating it and then you're using, you know, you're pulling the hot water out of the top of that thing to go into your, um, what, you know, could be for direct use or it could be to go into a uh, tankless water heater like what we use. Or it could go into a regular water, you know, regular tank water heater. But if you preheat it, um, then, you know, that's, the, that's less uh, electricity or less propane or natural gas that you need to actually heat that water up to the temperature you want to use it at. 
Now, a thermosiphon system also uses radiant energy and the laws of thermodynamics to move the water from a collector to a storage tank. So this is typically if you had a tank water heater, what you would use, you would have a thermosiphon system and then you would come out of that primary tank into the secondary tank uh, and that would be your regular hot water heater that you would use, uh, you know, gas or whatever. Um, now this does require the tank to be above the collector, you know, because you're using the laws of thermodynamics to move the water. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's a design consideration is, okay, can we put the collectors low and, and the tank high in the house? Depends on your house. Uh, a direct force circulation is also a thermal siphon system with a pump, uh, but in, instead of just uh, um, utilizing the fact that cold water has a higher specific density than hot water, uh, you're actually using a pump to circulate that water. And now the nice thing about that is, is if you're in an area that gets a lot of direct sunlight, you can heat up a lot of water. Um, you know, I mean, because you're constantly pumping that water through the system. When you do that, unlike a direct for or unlike a thermosiphon system, a direct force system uh, allows the tank to be placed at any elevation relative to the collector. And then a drain, pa a drain back system is similar to direct force, uh, where the system uses a heat exchanger to transfer heat to the water. Uh, but when the pump is off, the water drains out of the collector. So uh, these are exclusively indirect systems. You're not actually heating the water you're using with with uh, the sun. You're heating. Sometimes it's water, sometimes it's glycol, sometimes it's something else. And then that, with a heat exchanger, actually heats up the water that you're going to use. This is nice to use in an area where you get uh, nice sun during the day, but maybe freezing overnight temperatures. So you don't want to leave that water in the collector overnight. So at night, everything drains down. That's why it's called a drain back system. And then uh, you're on to pumping it back up the next day. Sometimes you can even automate that and say, okay, we're going to wait until the temperature differential uh, between ambient outside and inside the collector is a certain, you know, maybe it's 20 degrees before we're pumping water back up into that collector. Um, so a tip for building your, your solar uh, thermal water heaters is you got to use copper. Um, there's really nothing else uh, you know, if you do all the things that you would do to build a solar uh, air collector and then you just run copper piping inside that and paint it black, you're going to have a nice uh, heater. Um, you know, I like the idea of, of the actual water to run a snaking pattern. Some people build manifolds, so, you know, the water, you know, is running through the piping. It comes in one inlet and then it looks like a ladder going up and then it goes out one outlet. I like it when you go in and you snake it left and right across the whole thing and then out at the top. Uh, in my opinion, you're going to get a lot more thermal gain by doing it that way. Um, but if you've got a lot of T's and not a lot of 90's, then use what you have. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today, folks. Um, again, thanks for joining us. If you have questions, Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at HackMySolar.com. Go to the blog. Go to the Hack My Solar Facebook page. Any of those are great places. Uh, we're actually getting ready to start up a Facebook group, and the group is going to be called Off-Grid Solutions for an On-Grid World. And that's going to be another place where we can just have open discussions about different ideas or different new technologies that are coming out, uh, or if anyone's got specific questions and, not, and they don't want to put it uh, in an email or on the blog, 
uh, they can do it there. A lot of people have Facebook, so that's an easy way to have those conversations as a group. Whereas if you just go to the Hack My Solar page, it's not as interactive. So anyways, uh, once again, hackmysolar.com. Thanks for joining us today. Look forward to talking to you again soon.